0: Hey, Spencer, I've listened to your other parts two and three and Barney's interview with Tom and all great ideas.
1: I don't have anything
0: else to contribute, but thank you for putting it all out there. Um, talk to you soon.
2: Scully can't control his magic
3: any longer. <laughs>
1: Epiphany, I make a about time too about not playing the and And it was free all, and I heard him say, Keep off my borderlands.
4: But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable of A-A-M's.
0: Hi there, it's me, Spencer, a.k.a. Free Thrall. Welcome to Keep Off the Borderlands. Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast, kicking off the show there. Thanks very much for that message, Jason. Um, Always good to feel appreciated. What I've got for you here is uh, basically a bunch of feedback from the Alluvial Plains episodes I put out last month. Quite a lot of this stuff speaks for itself, so my response is probably going to be kept to a minimum, perhaps just adding a little bit of context to the messages because it has been a while. But I've got some really, really interesting stuff that I would like to share with you. So I'm going to kick off with a few messages from Safer Fantasy Crafting, um, a good a place to start as any, as that's exactly where we left off on the previous Alluvial Plains episode. With me and Barney, um, I think we were both a little unclear of some of the things that Safer touched on, particularly the, uh, the what he said about cause and effect. So take it away, Safer.
1: Hello there, Spencer. It's just Safer again. I think yeah, Barney did invoke my full Sunday name again, so here I am again, but um, I just want to be careful with that incantation. Don't want to use it too often. Um, I just want to say uh, another great episode. Thank you for your gentle responses to my nonsense. Um, I appreciate it. However, I was saying I wasn't so much advocating for the, the how, not so much the why or the how, but actually the what, Spencer. I think I was trying to get you to actually codify the magic system and say what actually, what actually happens, what's the result of the situation. Uh, so in case of uh, Joe's instance, the result was that a guy fell over. So that's the critical point, which is knockdown. That's the effect, that's the result. And I just thought if you think of those lines and then work backwards, that'll help you or, uh, or formulate or fix all this swirling ideas and thoughts that you have, and perhaps form it into something a bit more uh, manageable. And also what you and Barney were talking about, say, distracting the bird, you've hit the nail on the head, it's distract is the effect. So the effect is, the end result is distract animal or distract creature. So if you start there and then you can work back on how it works and what methods you want to use to do it, but it's it's the effect that I think it's just, if you start there, it'll help you nail things down a bit. Um, But I think if what Barney said about, uh, you know, not wanting to make characters too powerful but what you were saying with your players were finding that a lower powered character was a bit underwhelming and, and, and uninteresting well that kind of puts you in a bit of between a rock and a hard place really if that's going to be the thing i think what you might have to do then is if, if you make a magic user you then um might have to nerf him sort of D style say that the process of becoming a shaman weakens you so it costs you constitution and you become physically weakened can can't do physical things there's a cost to it Hello, Spencer. It's just safer again. You've gone and said the magic words again, so I've turned up again. But no, thank you for that last message, Spencer. I was going to leave you a third message, actually, um, but something came up and I I got dragged away and I forgot what I was going to say. But I've just remembered it now. Yeah, I was going to say, you know what Barney was saying about thinking about causes and traditions and 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 how things work i think yeah i think that's fine i mean look into all that and think like that about how you want the magic to work but really i was just suggesting that you know if after you've done that if you perhaps just try to finalize and fix your thoughts down to a specific result uh as a way of anchoring your thoughts and perhaps helping you you know stopping all those thoughts and ideas just swirling around in a in a big morass But, uh, yeah, actually, you know, the magic word, it has to be safer fantasy crafting, uh, Spencer, because safer fantasy crafting just just doesn't bring the magic. It's an essential verbal component of the spell, I think. But take care, mate. All the best to you.
0: Thank you very much, Safer. Thank you for clarifying that about the uh, cause and effect. And, yes, I do see what you're saying in focusing on the what, that concrete outcome. What is the result? And then working back from there as a way of anchoring ourselves to something. But, you know, you use that word there codified. And um, I think I was trying to sort of avoid that. Wanting to keep it kind of free form, more mysterious. Obviously, as a result, we ended up talking about all kinds of things and wandering off in all sorts of directions. But I think that was part of the exercise, really. We wanted to sort of fresh out some ideas and, you know, just see what sticks. And at the at the same time, I'm kind of talking across purposes with myself because, you know, we're trying to systematise this thing. So uh, there's another situation there where I'm getting myself between the rock. And a hard place but um yeah I really appreciate your import there, thank you very much for that next up I think I've got another slice of life message from Barney
2: Hi Spencer it's Barney, I've got the dishwasher going on in the background and a beef and potato beef and veg stew cooking, I don't know if that's in the way there, I just wanted to say that I really appreciate these four episodes that you've had on Magic in Alluvial Plains. I think, you know, all of those call-ins, all of the different ideas, our discussion is just a a treasure trove. I am shocked and kind of embarrassed how much I talk during our discussion. All all I can say is that all of my thoughts were in homage to your great ideas. And I mean that seriously. Um, uh, I think I have one thought, so I'll say that next. Throughout the design process, I think we've always tried to keep that sense of the free-form nature. And I think Goblins Henchmen and... You and I, when we were talking about that first session, I think we kind of got that. And I just want to say that I think I can imagine some way that we have a simple uh, mechanic that basically covers the different types of shamanic activities and that then how those are... uh, utilised how they are codified in specific situations remains open I think that is in our grasp I think it's very close see you bye
0: Uh, thank you Barney thank you for an extremely gracious message you should certainly not feel at all embarrassed about the amount of time about your contribution to that discussion and it was a discussion and the the amount of time you spoke merely reflected the wealth of ideas that you are bringing to the table i mean in a lot of ways this is this is your baby and you know i'm just uh helping to suckle it <laughs> um that's not the image i want to create um uh, where am i going with this Um, let's go to Goblin's
3: Henchman. Hi Spencer, Goblin's Henchman here. So, just listened to the most recent, recent, recent episode of Blueville Plains. It was interesting, I was listening to you and Barney, and then, as you were going along, I had some thoughts, and then actually, a lot of those thoughts got picked up by other people, which is interesting. Um, Probably better than I would express them, but um, anyway... The one thing was, you know, what Sophie was saying. I was thinking, actually, <clears throat> do you need to be so specific? I think he might be right. You um, you set the limits of the power. That sets the low magic versus high magic. You can only do certain things. You know, no, no kind of like split people in half or something, but, you know, sort of influencing kind of stuff. You know, either, you know, you buff your side or... If someone gets a, a bad roll, then the shaman can use his magic to do a mulligan. So this is the fortune that I foretold, you know, about brother, you know, uh, Sparrow. So then when that miss happens or he gets hit, you can re-roll it because he knew he was told by the fortune that... So he gives him another roll, that kind of influence, sort of narrative. But yeah, I think, and then let the let the players decide um, whether their magic is, you know, herbal or whatever, or coincidence or whatever... Um, and you know and, and one thought occurs to me is like you know technology to a primitive can appear to be magic that's the old adage or whatever it is so you know like a light bulb if you showed that to a caveman it'd be like magic but it's a light bulb but and this made me think that you know this is the prob- possible lens that you're applying to it you're looking at it as a person in the 21st century back in a game that's meant to be for you know more primitive people so maybe you should cease Applying that lens and let the mystery and wonder be the confusion of the players. Don't explain it; it's magic. Who knows? But it might not be magic. It could just be <laughs> coincidence. But they don't get it because they don't have that critical thinking element. Um, and I thought something Barney said was quite interesting. So sort of, I began to think about this as well. How do you how do you stop making the shame and the greatest, you know, the best, the biggest show in town? And I still sort of thought about insanity. Cthulhu, but in this case it wouldn't be insanity. It might be you know, bestialism, reverting back to um, you know a primitive. Because you know maybe these people are on this cusp of civilization, so when they do magic or believe magic is happening, even if it's not, they're reverting to a kind of more primal state, less less civilized, if you like, more more kind of well bestial almost. So it's sort of, in, of in, so whenever they and tone the magic, it's like in you know, like a sanity check. They're gradually getting more and more kind of caught up in this sort of idea of mysticism which is making them more feral and at some point, you know, they they they're like, you know, like in Cthulhu, the shaman has to give up his character because he's he's gone too far. He's now lost in the you know, he's essentially an NPC. And then finally it was this this thing that Colin talked about and you touched on too. Maybe if it's too too influential you know, there is, a, there, is a, there is a tribe totem or a party totem, you know, is that the right word? You know, like a spirit that guides them. And players can tap into that. So it's not one character. You know, the shamanism is, is is a shared shamanism of the tribe. And so, you know, maybe there's only like three points of shamanism per session and, you know, someone can use it. And obviously, if they're using it, they're taking other people's shamanism out of the pool. So you've got to think about it sparingly. And um, so, you know, if you, you hog it all up trying to catch a, a giant beaver, then when it comes to fighting a bear, it's like, why did he use up all, that, all our shamanism points? Um, but again, the other check check in the game system might be this idea of becoming more primitive, some cost to using magic. It's there. But, you know, if, if you use too many points within a certain amount of time, it's a problem. It's I mean it's not quite the same thing, but I, I wrote an AD and D class where, a, the magic user was like an alchemical battery, and he could draw power, um, from his actual body. He saps it from his pith and marrow, and um, if he overdoes it, then he artificially ages, and if he and his constitution drops, so eventually he could burn himself out and get killed. Um, it's not quite the same thing, but this this idea there's a cost to magic. If you're conservative, you use it within margins. Then it's not so bad, but if you if you really drink too deep and too hard, then you 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 pay for it. So I think there's a certainly a lot of interesting stuff coming out of what people have said. Um, I I I've, I think my last messages were a bit because I was trying to fit into anchor format. I couldn't really tease them all out, but hopefully this is slightly better. And messages that aren't after midnight will probably make more sense. <laughs> all right, cheers, fell up, bye.
0: Thank you, Goblins Henchman. Um, lots of really, really great stuff there. First of all, this idea of the shaman as like a, a buffer, almost like a bard. Um, I really, really like that idea. It certainly chimes with the idea of a, a shaman as a showman, them being uh, charismatic and telling stories. Imparting information that they've gleaned from the spirit world, that perhaps needs to be deciphered in some way in order for it to be of benefit to to the party. Also, the idea of a uh, shaman as a bard might um, might mean that people might not be so eager to play them. I don't know. Maybe they. That's just my own feeling about Bards coming out there. And what you were saying about keeping the mystery there and removing that lens, and along the way I keep forgetting that I don't really need to explain all this stuff to myself. And that, leaving that in the mind of the players, in the mind of the GM, to kind of piece that together themselves, and probably coming up with something far more Interesting, than I would anyway. Yeah, and back to the idea of the shared shamanism. I think I've got a few more messages from Barney, which will pick up on a, on a few things you mentioned there. So really appreciate what you said there, Goblin's henchman. And I appreciate any message from you, even if it's you know after a few drinks or after after midnight, even if you don't think you're making sense you've always got something interesting to add. So really appreciate that. Cheers.
2: A quick one here that builds on Goblin's Henchman's last message, um, where he talks about uh, the shamanic powers being a shared resource. I've been thinking along similar lines, and it seems to suggest to my mind that the current... Shared luck pool is a low-hanging fruit to be adopted and possibly altered somehow as, as the shamanic, the pooled shamanic power. So not simply luck or not only luck. Maybe something else. Um, And it would be nice to have a different name for that. I don't know what your thoughts are about that.
0: How about Providence?
2: Very good. Um, So we have the Providence pool that would be tribal. So if you had a mixed group, those of one tribe would have that pool and those of another would have a different one or itinerants would have a different thing. That's an interesting complication. So we've got the shared providence pool. We've got the shamanic resonances that each character can buy into, if you like, and have a particular thing. Shaman have more resonances. And then I think we need a little oomph for the shaman, a little something extra, And that, I'm thinking, I guess, would be like visions and those kinds of things. So it would fit all of that. Very nice, very
0: nice, very nice. Thanks very much, Barney. Um, So I was thinking about the visions thing and me and Barney have discussed this a little bit on the Discord. Taking this idea of perhaps before the adventure takes place, the shaman has made his journey into the spirit realm. He has spent time meditating and preparing during play to get round the idea of the shaman being a spell slinger. What they are doing is adding their knowledge to increase the chances in the form of kind of retroactive premonitions. So the shaman isn't actually knocking someone to the ground. They have witnessed the person falling to the ground for whatever reason. And then they roll in the round to see how accurate the premonition, the foretelling, how accurate their vision was. So in a way mechanically you're not changing anything. Nothing is is really different. I just and, and again I feel I've got into the I've I've fallen back into the, the trap of coming up with an explanation that I am happy with. Um that was what I think I was really grasping for so maybe again i've come up with a solution to a problem that i shouldn't even be attempting to answer but there you go hi this is ray i'm working out in the garage today
1: installing some new pegboard and listening to your excellent podcast about shamans Shaman? Is that plural? Uh, (laughs) And uh, I thought of two movies. They're not uh, shamanistic on the surface, so I can understand why you wouldn't have thought of them. One's kind of silly. It's the Harry Potter film where Ron is uh, super nervous about performing at Quidditch, and Harry pretends to give him the potion that he has won that is a good luck formula, and then Ron does excellently. Um, So that's an example of that kind of placebo effect. Another one that I think is really interesting, or more interesting, and maybe more applicable, is the movie Unbreakable, where um, I think later they sort of solidify this. But in the first movie, you don't really know whether he has a superhero power or not. Um, The Bruce Willis character, he thinks he's unharmable
0: Hey Ray, Ray Otis there from Plundergrounds and uh, yeah, Shaman, Shaman I noticed I was switching between the two and I think if I had to guess that that perhaps Shaman was singular and Shaman was plural but um, I don't know that I've been using them indiscriminately Uh, Yeah, interesting, um, good catch there, Ray. Unbreakable, a great movie I haven't seen in years, but um, yeah, really, really interesting one. Something that also reminded me of was a great Jeff Bridges film. I think um, Rosie Perez is in it too, called Fearless. It's all about uh, a plane crash in which Rosie has got a baby And they're the only people that survived this plane crash. And it's uh, the film's all about how it affects their lives. Forgive me, it's been a very long time since I've seen the film, so I may be getting this all wrong, but I seem to recall that the character Rosie plays, uh, her life kind of falls apart, whereas Jeff Bridges' character believes that he is indestructible and proceeds to go out and start taking huge risks and just getting up to all kinds of crazy stuff but um, yeah I'll have to go and revisit that one I recall really enjoying that movie when I first watched it but thanks Ray, good to know you're enjoying the podcast, cheers
5: Oh hello Hi Spencer, Sofino from Alone in the Labyrinth, ah mate um, first of all, congratulations on becoming a father again Happy fiftieth, um, and also sorry for not uh, checking in for a while um, i 've been lurking in the shadows. I did fall behind with a few episodes, but i've just uh, last night uh, one of my neighbors was playing music very loudly, very late at night. I thought, oh, to block that out, what will be better than the dulcet tones of Spencer? Keep off the borderlands and uh, of course i I found that you 've got all these episodes about. Um, the magical mystery of the Alluvial Plains in your Mesolithic, low-magic, like, RPG, which is just, obviously, this is completely up my alley. I'm two episodes in, so I'm going to not make any comments now, but uh, <laughs> there'll be some coming, mate, I promise. Anyway, um, amazing, honestly, it was like, yeah, it was like all. Hi, Spencer, this is alone A few days ago, I left you a message because... Exp- well expressing my extreme excitement about having so much kind of uh uh let's say pre-bronze age rpg content being uh promulgated by uh you and barney um and i promised i'd have to listen back and leave another message um it's been quite a long time i have listened to those messages but now so much time has passed and you haven't actually put a podcast out that i'm either thinking um that you're overwhelmed by responses or you've got more serious stuff going on in your life so I'm not going to contribute to the noise but just to say I really loved the conversation you and Barney had and all the contributions from your listeners and I've got so much to say about it but um, uh, I don't think I'll be helping you out by saying what I think and just, uh, just keep... Alright, I hope you caught the end of that and I don't want to go into as much as I want to, the infinite possibilities of a magic system without magic, because my mind is just bursting. I wish I'd kind of gone into that kind of... Uh, like the whole Carl Jung man and his symbols. Uh, anyway, look, I just want to say, I probably spent too much time staring at the channel, but the conversation between you and Barney, and it's probably a overflow with the whole Doggerland references, was a lot like a cliff face and a roaring sea and I won't say who was who but there were two forces that were sort of in conflict but in harmony but in the end they came out with something beautiful so god that's bollocks isn't it anyway there are my thoughts bye Hey
0: Safinio, that's Safinio from uh, "Lone in the Labyrinth" podcast, also the creator of Pariah, the um, psychedelic Neolithic stone and sorcery um, OSR game. I think I've covered everything there, but um, that's that's available on Drive Really worth checking out. There is a free art-free version of the Zine available. But the art in it is great. And I think it's only about six and a half bucks anyway. So go and check that out. Thank you for those messages, Safinio. A really um, tantalizing glimpse at what you possibly could have uh, shared with me there. And uh, you know, you're welcome to give me those thoughts if you really feel like sharing them. As you can see, I have received a lot of feedback. But I'm always welcome your thoughts, especially as somebody who has created a game in a very similar vein. So, thank you for those messages. I, I noticed that uh, Anchor appeared to be glitching out all over the place there, but I, I got the gist. <laughs> and uh, yeah, please, if you do want to elaborate on any of that, feel free to do so. Thank you very much. Also, thank you for the congratulations, the birthday wishes and the new addition to the family. Everyone's doing very well in that respect. No apologies necessary for not calling in. No obligations there.
4: Quick bit of feedback for you, fellas. Divination, I thought that was awesome. The idea of using a flashback mechanism in the game to make some a retro... Regist- Retrospective preparations or similar, just awesome. The idea of um, some kind of guardian spirit, I thought, was well out there, well out there, and and getting into dangerous territory, but feel like there is some sort of potential there. Haven't got anything very useful to say about that uh, just uh, just uh, some words of encouragement perhaps the other thing was this idea of when you're putting something together being constantly aware of where you're coming from have you got your GM's hat on your player's hat, your designer's hat whatever, being constantly aware of that, that seems super important to me and finally uh, and not finally, in fact I'd be keen to hear a little bit more about how you're thinking to tackle the the business of narcotics and herbalism, things like that, because it seems to me that could be a significant, another significant part of what the the shaman is getting involved in. It's this um, divination and then these enchantments and herbalism and stuff. So, I'm interested to hear more about that. And then then finally, I'm wondering, would it help you? You, You're designing by committee there, never an easy thing to do. Do, Could you nail your colours to the mast and perhaps answer a couple of questions and say where magic doesn't exist, say? You could say that, and you could also say that gods don't exist and it strikes me that if you come to a couple of like definite decisions on those two things it might make the design process easier and i know they sound like massive kind of like roadblocks to creativity but you, if if you think about it you, you can still you still got a lot to play with, but you've kind of you've nailed things down a little bit and I don't know, sometimes that, that that can just help, but I'm sure you guys are well aware of
0: that. Thank you, Colin. Colin Spike Pit Green there. I really appreciate the feedback and um yeah, some interesting stuff there. I I was sort of pushing for the idea that this retroactive flashback, um, premonition type thing. I think that was something that, um, yeah, came from you in the first place. So, uh, yeah, really appreciate that. The um, thoughts about, as far as making it clear that, you know, no magic, no gods, I've certainly expressed the the desire to see how the game would work without that stuff. But like I say, simply because, you know, would that result in a game that was interesting enough without that sort of stuff. We've got a game coming up being run by Tom Barbele of My Rules Are Better, and I think that's the direction he is taking things in. And it would be interesting to see how that plays out So, yeah, thanks for your words of encouragement, Colin. Cheers. Just a little addendum. I think we've cracked it. I say we've cracked it. Barney has listened to my wild ramblings. He's taken on board all the great feedback we've had. And he's gone off and created a shamanic system that I really like the look of, um essentially combining some of the the ideas tying it together with the luck system and creating something really nice and simple, elegant and flavourful that I'm really happy with
2: Hi Spencer, Barney here, a really quick message to say how excited I am about the game today by which I mean tom Barbelay's hunt game which will be using our alluvial plains setting and the vantage system that i've been working on so our thing my thing tom's doing it it's great to have tom in the team i'm so fascinated what it's going to be like and i'm really interested to know what it, how you're going to find it when it's kind of somebody else uh, coming into it, um, running it. So that's, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that very much. See you later. Bye.
0: And of course, a big thanks to Tom Barberley for running the game. Uh, He really did a great job. He put an awful lot of work into the scenario. The session was really... Really good fun and I met um, five people there I'd never played with before and uh, always great to meet new players. I hope I can uh, play in one of Tom's games again in future. So if you're listening Tom, thanks uh, for running it. I had a really great time. Cheers. Previously I'd thought me and Tom had very similar ideas about the, the magic, about how to implement Shaman within the system. And what was particularly interesting was that he took that system and he used it in quite a different way to how I'd imagined and how I would use it myself. But I was very happy with that and it worked. And I think it was just the fact that what Barney had put together was something that I could use in the way I wanted but could be employed in other ways. And I guess that's what this has been about all along because I had certain feelings about how magic was used. I didn't want to be prescriptive about how magic was used. I just, I was looking for something that would satisfy me if I was running it. The fact that it could be used in different ways is beside the point. Well, not even beside the point. In in fact, it's great. It's great that we've got a system that could be interpreted in any number of ways. And I'm extremely happy about that. I want to leave you with... A wonderful extended message that I received from Barney on human antiquity, Uh, there is stuff I could add to this but you know I think it would just be nice to let the message speak for itself take it away Barney
2: Hi Spencer, I'm not sure how this one's going to turn out but here goes I've was motivated to record this message after hearing Goblin's Henchman's latest message, but it really has nothing to do with uh, his, his thoughts or anything like that. So here goes. Unless I'm very much mistaken, maybe 200 years ago, people were still fighting over the geological history of the planet. People really didn't like the idea that... or were resistant to the idea that the planet could be millions, even billions, of years old. And I think we're in a... We have a similar kind of thing going on with our own humanity, the history of our own humanity. Um... And it's, yeah, it's it's partly to do with education, or a big part to do with education, the way that that history has been taught. Um, of course, based on the finds, which are pretty scant. And what I think has happened is that we have this, there's this view of, human antiquity which has been curated and it's kind of curated many times over so things built on other things or speculations built on other speculations are kind of presented as as being fact and we constantly have to adjust by quite kind of brutal shifts our view of things how old art practices, and so on and so on and so on and so on. And we have this kind of thing still going on with our relationship to Neanderthals, where we say Neanderthals interbred with our ancient ancestors. If that happened, which I've got no reason to doubt, then the Neanderthals are also our ancestors. We love to we love to reference some distant uh rel- relative of, of ours who did this or did that. I I was told I'm distantly related to Robert Catesby, the man who I think was one of the main agitators behind the gunpowder plot. So there, right? But that's a distant relative we're distant you know, a distant relative of ours are our relatives of ours are the Neanderthals. They didn't interbreed with our ancestors, they are our ancestors. Um And you know, Joe has talked about some of these points in his show, in his alluvial plains discussion so far on hindsightless. Um you, you couldn't interbreed with another hominid if, if they weren't closely related enough. So all of these iterations of humanity, hominids, whatever, are, in some sense, human. And, you know, tool production has existed for millions of years. Symbolic objects have been in use for millions of years. Social groupings, which we also find in nature, you know, in the animal world, such as we are separate from that, apparently, also have social groups. So, embedded within animal life, are things that we continue to use today. And yet, we consider ourselves, at this point, humanity, to be infinitely superior not only to nature, but also to our ancestors. Humanity now is advanced, is civilised. But here's the thing. Anatomically modern, that is to say, basically identical to us, anatomically modern people, identical to us, which means they had the same... Brains, the same brain capacities, the same capabilities of speech. I believe, I believe they found fossil remains that go back 300,000 years. So if we're a bit conservative with that, let's say 200,000 years. And then people like to say that the Homo sapiens didn't really leave Africa until, say, 100,000 years ago, and that they didn't get into Europe until maybe 50,000 years ago. But these are people, those ancestors, those are people who are, who were, sorry, (laughs) physically exactly like us. Capable of the same kinds of activities, the same kinds of abstract thoughts as us. Now, the forms of humanity that predate whatever this modern version of humanity is. They were also tool makers. They were also cultural people with geographic knowledge, with Maritime skills. So I, I don't consider any of those people to be, I don't want to get into the inferiority debate because, because the further you go back, those developments by our most ancient ancestors were the really big ones, the really pivotal ones. As we progress through time, Let's take an axe, for example. We can trace, you know, the, the advancement of axe technology. And we start with, you know, crude flints going up to incredibly, incredibly um, finely produced flint blades and the evidence of axes flint axes what do we still use today what can i still buy in a in a, a hardware shop today i can still buy an axe just because it's made of metal i'm still doing the same thing i still have that same thing in mind and of course people talk about how hardwired our brains are, and that actually, a lot of a lot of the things we do in in I don't know art, business, science, whatever they 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 have motivations that go back a very 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 long time. So, what what does this have to do with alluvial plains? Because of how human prehistory. ...is widely understood... ...we tend to... ...until we start digging into it... ...we tend to... ...think... ...6,000 years ago is a long time... ...10,000 years is a long time... ...and the further that we go back... ...the less, the less... ...the fewer remains that we have... ...the more it seems like nothing was going on... ...but remember that modern humanity is 300,000, 200,000, 100,000, 50,000 years old and that's just being kind of conservative about it way beyond, way beyond 6, 8, 10,000 years ago just because people didn't have the internet, or trains, or world clocks, or fridges, cars, I don't know, does not mean that they were primitive at all. The types of cognitive process, the types of social interactions, can only have been Incredibly complex, because that's what we're like now. Surrounded by all this stuff that we have, our anxieties about will our plastic products disintegrate, all of those kinds of concerns, those complex existential experiences have been happening for a very 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 long time. And so for me one of the one of the key things about alluvial plains is that without straying too much into wild fantasy it's an opportunity to speculate about what it meant to be, a modern human, at least, you know, I don't know, somewhere between 50,000 and 30,000 years ago. Not treating... It's not cave people. It's not playing out being primitive. It's not engaging uncritically in an exoticism of our own past. It's really to to put us, if you like, now, into that ancient past. And if we think about belief systems and whether there was magic or perceived magic 30,000 years ago, or not, you know, we, we still have those kinds of belief structures going on today. I can't give you a shred of evidence of how quantum physics works. I can't really give you a shred of evidence about atoms or particles. I can't even really prove to you how the solar system operates I struggle I would struggle to tell you how air operates and what it and how my body needs it how your body needs it It's very hard to prove these things we've developed ways to kind of demonstrate those things but I go off a lot of information that has been given to me and I take it as read. Now, in in the distant future, 30,000, 50,000 years into the future, they might well be laughing at us for how we understand the phenomenal universe. How primitive it was or da 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 And hopefully there'll be someone there saying, but they they were doing the same thing that we're doing now. They were equally capable of abstract thought. They were on the path to it. They were using the available materials that they had and making very educated guesses. And look, I can still go to a hardware store and buy an axe